Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan and Rockefeller Center, New York City. Joined, uh, well, Newsstand Studios. Joined as usual with uh, John over there, way over the other end of the booth today. How you doing, John? Doing great, thanks. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. All's good. Really? Except for the weather lately, but yeah, other than that, it's fine. I mean, I don't know. You know what, Nastasia the Hammer Lopez, who's in uh, Stanford, she, she hates people that change their behavior based on the weather. I mean, unfortunately, I can't change That's anything true. based on the on the weather. I still have to do what I have to do, but it doesn't make life fun. Yeah, but in other words, like, people who only have fun when the weather is nice, she finds what, Stas? Uh, weak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I guess what I'm getting at is working in the kitchen has been hot and very humid and very unpleasant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, like tomorrow I'm going to North Adams. I'm going to this like a place that we the family goes called uh, Tourists, and it's kind of cool. But they're like, oh, it's going to be raining. I'm like, don't care. Don't care. Don't care. Uh, in uh, Wait, where, where is it? Austin? You're in Austin right now or San Antonio, Mr. Molecules? I Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Nice. And it's disgusting here. It's like 106 every day. And yeah. Humid and miserable. Is it Ugh. is it bat season or not bat season? I never I'm never there during bat season. You know, it, it must be bat season. I heard them by the bridge. The hotel, the line hotel here is like I look right out to the South Congress Bridge where all the tourists kind of line up to yeah. watch the bats at sunset. So you so you, you heard them, up, but I haven't. Yeah. You you heard the bats, but you're like I'm not going to bother looking out the window. No, no, I looked. Uh, I didn't see. I, I heard them earlier in the day. Okay, yeah. they're yeah. very loud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a so weird tourist thing. Bat Man, bats. I know, right? Yeah, bats. I mean, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, unless it's a lot of bats, <laughs> unless it's a horror show. Yeah. If it's a horror show, I mean, I've seen flocks of birds, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty. I want to look at that, but I'm not going to fly to see a flock of birds. All right. All right. Uh, and uh, oh my god you know who I didn't introduce yet behind me Joe Hazen on the panels how you doing hey it's great it's kind of weird to be behind you yeah that's maybe that's I didn't, didn't see you there yeah no I kind of need to set a mirror up or something yeah like yeah like one of those uh, pedestrian saver things yeah like yeah. circular kind of like weird yeah that would be strange uh, and in the upper 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 left we got Quinn how you doing hey I'm good no Oh. And back again, so but way before their book, uh, Tropical Standard, came out, way before then, we had on a uh, good friend, uh, ex-existing uh, ex conditions, the no longer existing, the no longer extant conditions, Garrett Richard and his co-author, Ben Schaefer of Tropical Standard, uh, also run... So, Co-author of that, rum reader for Ben, uh, you know, Garrett, know, well, you can, guys can say what you're up to, but now the book is out, and are you almost done? Hey, guys. Hey. Yeah. What's up? Glad to be back yeah. on uh, Cooking yeah. Issues. So, how long ago were you on? Were you on like like six, eight months ago? We were on in November. How many months is that? Like eight? It's like six or eight months yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and so now the book came out like a couple of months ago, and, and Ben, you've been running this full ragged like on like uh, on a tour. You want to tell... First of all, like for those who haven't heard the, the first episode where we talked uh, you know, in depth about the, the book and everything, you want to just let them know what the book's about a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh Ben, what's the elevator pitch for a tropical standard? Well, I like to think of it as combining, it's like a third stream project, right? So it's combining the influence of the craft uh, cocktail revival, as exemplified by people like Dale DeGroff, and the tropical drink revival, exemplified by people like Jeff Beachbomberry. But bringing those two things together that should never have been put asunder in the first place, and in doing so, tying it all together 
with the cutting-edge culinary techniques developed by people such as, and this may come as a shock to you, Dave Arnold. That guy's a jerk, and he does not know what he's talking about. Right. Yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. But we, we, you know, we give him, cut him some slack in the book. Uh, so it's really about using those kind of techniques to get to places where you can't get to without them, and trying try to take tropical drinks kind of a little bit of a different direction with new flavors and textures that... You know, I think people are really excited about uh, whenever we serve these drinks to people, they get it. Whenever people seem to read the book, they seem to get it. Uh, we're, we're, we're excited to, you know, we've been doing a tour, which we'll talk about in a minute, and it's been great to get in front of people and, and, and show them what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, when I first started it existing, I think you said to us when we were doing staff training, like, a good way to create a drink is, like, find a problem and solve it. Yeah. And at the same time as, like, working with you and, and Don Lee, I, I was doing my own pop-up of tropical drinks called Exotica at Rain's Law Room. And, yeah, those drinks have a lot of problems. There's a lot of things to fix. And that's really, like, that's where the ethos came out of the book is, is really just that simple thing of, like, what are some things that tropical drinks don't do well and how can we address them? And mostly that's through technique, which is what the book's focus is. Right. I mean, I guess, yeah, it's like uh, a lot of the problems, right, of any kind of old spec like that is one. When, and you talk about this a lot. When you fetishize something that's from the past and that's in also, not only is that in the past, the ingredients are different, the time is different, the place is different. So you can know the history which, of course, you know, you guys know much better than I do because that's not my shtick, right? Uh, but then you have to also have as part of your kind of obsessiveness making it taste good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's, what, that's where Garrett's genius lies is that he's very good at going back and, and interpreting what the intention was of the original author of some of these classic drinks from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, where, as you say, we don't have the ingredients the same, even produce is different, everything is different. Spirit of the law, not letter so, of the law. Exactly. You know yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, <laughs> so even where the drinks don't have anything wrong with them, there's nothing to be fixed, you still have to reinterpret the drink in order to make it with today's stuff. I think that's some, something some people overlook. You know, they say, hey, you know, and I like to make the 1944 you know, Vic's Mai Tai. It's like, well, we'd all like to do that, yeah. but you but don't you have can. the stuff. Yeah, you should uh, invent a time machine. By the way, time machine's never going to be possible. I hope you guys know this. Time machine's not one of those things ever going to happen. It's never going to happen. We know. It's not possible. Yeah, that's why we have to write books. That's like, why, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because... <laughs> that was one of the premises of this book yeah. as well. This is what I tell, like, you know, I used to tell my kids this all the time, but like, but couldn't there be a time machine? I was like, if there was a time machine, you'd already know. They're like, what do you mean? I was like, because someone would have come yeah, back. Yeah, there was a time traveler's convention... Yeah. No one showed up. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. <laughs> I think the famous example, of course, is um, Stephen Hawking held a party for time travelers. Yeah. He didn't announce until afterwards, and of course no one came. But that might just prove that they didn't want to come to his party. Yeah, because he was a renowned Kind of a dick. jerk. He was yeah. a jerk, yeah. Yeah. I met him, actually. Really? And was he a dick? I mean, who can tell? Jerk. You couldn't tell. You yeah. couldn't really tell. Yeah. Oh, well, he because... was only, his, uh, his uh, you, you only spoke through uh, his, uh, his, his person. He had a person who was, his, well, his, right. who could, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't chat with him, but I was, you know, I, oh. I met him. You I didn't was, have I coffee in, with him. I didn't have, co it wasn't a one-on-one -on -one yeah. thing. Oh. Well, I'm sure he was nice in uh, talking to large groups of people. Right. But, you know, you don't know if it's pre He might, somebody else could be saying it. It's all coming off of his yeah. Yeah, uh, I appreciated it did Futurama and, and The Simpsons, you know. Yeah. Oh, he did? He, yeah, he's there, a fan of Futurama. Yeah, he did both. He did there both is a, shows. There, yeah. is a, there is a Stephen Hawking joke in our book as well, so it's relevant. Yeah, uh, I don't remember. I, I did not we fully reread it this We time. talk about a brief history of Lyme. Oh, uh, yeah. Exactly. Huge book, blockbuster at the time. Yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, before we go too deep into the Tropical Standard, which I'm sure you guys can pitch this this way if you want, which I know you will. 
But uh, any, you guys have anything interesting happen in the past uh, week or so? Culinary, cocktail? By the way, I apologize to people who don't like cocktails because it's going to be a very cocktail-heavy episode. Yes. Right. Why would you apologize for people like that? Well, they have because, only themselves have, to blame. We have people who don't... Uh, no, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. But it's, so, well, we approach it from a culinary point of view. Yeah. If you want to call in and you're on the Patreon, dial in to 917-410-1507. That's 917-410-1507. And if you don't know what a Patreon is, uh, John, what should they do? Go to patreon.com slash cooking issues. Uh, you can find out uh, all about the different memberships we've got, all the different perks that come with it, including what's relevant to today's episode, discount with kitchen arts and letters um, on Tropical Standard. Uh, yeah, you get... L- Certain levels, live access to the video feed. You get the recording before everyone else. You get prioritized answers, uh, questions answered. So, yeah, check it out. We Patreon. have the Edwards Age Meat discount going now. Oh, though. that's right. The Edwards Age Meat discount going now, too, which is Good meat. really delicious. Good yeah, meat. Great meat. Your meat. Good meat. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, patreon.com slash cooking issues. Yeah. All right, Jack. Anything in tech? What are you eating? Only breakfast burritos for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? You should not have a breakfast burrito for dinner. I'm having breakfast burritos for lunch. Um, I would never have a breakfast burrito for dinner. But what about breakfast for dinner? And no, I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I don't like that. You never tuck into a pancake at dinner time. No. Is that a lot in 106 degree weather? Like I feel like burrito. That's breakfast burritos. Well, they're breakfast quite a bit. I mean, you have to. That's what they do. Like, what else are you going to do? Yeah, that's true. You know, (laughs) there's also that theory that the hotter it is, the hotter the food should be both in spiciness and in right. heat temperature. Sweat it all out. And then when right. you walk right. out, you're like, oh, right. that's somehow a relief. Unless you're John, and you have to be in the that. kitchen making. I had a big, big bowl of spicy ramen and uh, tried that theory out, and it was still muggy, hot, and disgusting outside. Did no relief. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. No. Yeah, no. Such is life. All right. Uh, what about what about you, Quinn? You always have some, uh, some sort of uh, culinary wackiness oh, that you're working yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, redid my... Pistachio gelato, that was really good. Well, what kind of pistachios are you using? Uh, whatever without the grocery store. Uh, the problem with pistachios, even like high end pistachios like Bazzini. So, Bazzini is the biggest nut purveyor here in New York City, or at least I guess the one that's most well known. And apparently, uh, it used to be Italians that ran the nut business in uh, New York City in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, as I read this whole article about uh, firehouses used to have weird pets, not just dogs. So they would have like monkeys and like all sorts of weird mascots. And this one monkey in the in uh, in Little Italy, you know, down like on Lafayette Street, used to go uh, steal from Italian nut vendors and then like you know rip and then like. They fooled him and gave him hot nuts once to kind of burn his hands, and he freaked out and started clawing the peanut vendor apart. <laughs> and this is all like in this old book, Firefighters and Their Pets. Uh, yeah, Jocko, Jocko the Monkey. Yeah. Anyway, point being uh, that Bazzini, even though they are a long and storied history of nuts, if you dump their pistachios onto a sheet tray and look at them, some of them suck, and just a couple of crappy pistachios in a batch will ruin uh, a sor- not ruin, but make worse a sorbet or an orgeat, and I've tested this many times. Yeah, so, you give Jocko bad nuts, he's going to rip your face off. He's going to rip off, your face you know? off. I think, like, history has shown that uh, if you get some form of monkey or chimp and you keep it in, like, one area, it will eventually rip your face off. Right, Nastasia? <laughs> yes, yeah. that's your favorite story. Yeah, so Nastasia <laughs> grew up next to Mo. The chimp, right? Right, Stas? 
Yeah. 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 And can you? Yeah. He he lived with this guy and his wife, and he would sit outside on the on the grass, and we would go. My parents would drive past, and we'd honk the horn. Everyone would honk the horn and say hello to Mo. Mm. Um, and then one day Mo lost it and ripped. And did what, Dave? He he ripped someone's nose. Well, it was so we we determined we looked at it. Here's what happened, right? So first of all, Mo would be my age now, right? If Mo was still alive, he'd be like between Nastasi and my age. What happened was is that he went a little bit crazy, and so he got taken away from like the Mo handler. So Mo handler and Mo handler, the the, the couple who had Mo, right? They couldn't have a kid, so they got a freaking chimp. Bad move. So they raised this chimp. And then eventually someone's like, no. And so the chimp got taken and put into a chimp sanctuary. They go to visit Mo for Mo's birthday. Two other chimps escape, rip the dude's nose off. Rip the dude's nuts. nose off. That's rough. Yeah. Rip nuts. His, what? No, they ripped his nuts off, dude. Oh, yeah. They ripped his nuts off. Yeah. Go back to jo- Jocko the monkey. <laughs> yeah. It's full so, circle. Yeah. So they rip, his, they, rip his, they rip off his cojones. Right. Right, right, right. And then Mo escapes, never to be seen again. So Nastasia believes Mo is still alive in Southern California somewhere. And I believe he's dead. Wanted dead or alive, yeah. I believe he's dead. Yeah, probably. Yeah. All right. Two quick things for me, and then we're going to get into it, because Ben is going to jump out of his seat and stab me with his, with his water bottle. <laughs> Last time was honey-baked ham. Now it's monkeys. Honey-baked? Why are you starting with honey-baked ham? It's I delicious. I'm not. I'm not You starting. just brought it up. Anyway, I, 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 right. I withdraw the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Two things. One, Nastasi, do you remember when we went to uh, the Park Hyatt Hotel and we were working there? Do you remember the bartender Isagai? So Isagai-san gave Dax. Dax, my son, younger son, just graduated from high school. So I, I'm done with that whole section of my life, right? So over. Grad, high school graduation yesterday. So, Is, so Dax comes to, uh, when he was like, what, eight? How old? He was really young, right, Stas, when we, when we were there? Like, it was like 10 yeah. years ago, yeah. And... This guy, Isagai, who's a bartender we were working with at the Park Hyatt, takes a liking to Dax, takes a silver chain off of his neck and puts it around Dax's neck and gives it to him. So we call it the Isagai chain, and he wore it to his graduation, and I was like, I wish I could find out if Isagai was still a bartender in Tokyo or not, but I don't have his last name, and I can't oh, look it up. that's awesome, though. Yeah, I gotta yeah. find, I gotta, somehow we gotta find Isagai. Those guys were, first of all... Call in if you know Isagai. Yeah, the entire team at the Park Hyde at the time was just freaking stellar. You know how when you go to an event, like I'm sure you guys are doing a crap ton of events now? Yeah. And and you have weird requirements because you, you're you not just like shaking lime with sugar and yes. like whatever spirit. <laughs> the past back month back. of my yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I apologize. No one has given us jewelry though. At any of the I, well, you gotta, yeah. you gotta bring a kid with you. But yeah. like I apologize. <laughs> yeah. But anyone who is... You... Anyone out there who's choosing what to do with their life, choose something simple. Like, because when you're going to go do events and your stuff's non-standard, exactly zero people understand what you actually require when you hit the ground there. And they never have the right stuff. They don't, they mean well, but they never have the right products. They never have the right kind of equipment. And they say they do, but it's not their fault because they don't work the way you do, right? Except those yeah. guys at the Park Hyatt. They crushed it. Remember, Stiles, we showed up all nervous and they, they crushed everything. I loved them. They were amazing. They were freaking amazing. They were good. Anyway, uh, so there's that, the graduation and the Isagai chain. And secondly, I went to see a Broadway show last week. Broadway! And uh, for the first time in a long time. And on the way home, uh, you know how the trains here, they F up? And so they they just switched the train to a different line without 
insane because the loudspeakers were broken. So all of a sudden now I had a half hour walk home after I hadn't eaten because we don't do the early bird things. So I'm, I'm so hangry, right? And I'm even more hangry because my wife at a certain point does like loses her hunger. She's like, I'm not hungry anymore. I don't even know how that works. You don't know people like this? They're like, I'm not eating, I'm not eating, I'm not eating, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm not even hungry anymore. It doesn't work for me. I don't work like that. She opted out of hunger. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't do that. Anyway, so I'm trying to get home, and down one of the main thing, you know, one of the main streets, Allen Street, there's a freaking flash bike mob, right? So they're running through the light. They're like, like they're a funeral procession. They're running through the freaking light. And there's, and so like, it was one whole light, and I'm steaming. And then there's another light, and it turns, and there's still more people. So I walk out in front of them. I'm like, yo, Keep up with the pack. Crap on you. Just because you're slow doesn't mean I'm going to wait another freaking light. And Jen's livid with me because I'm like storming home. Then I finally make it into my neighborhood, which is Dime Square now. It's full of hipsters, like crawling with hipsters all the time now, which is kind of whatever. It's fine. It's good for the business. But this guy on a skateboard, I'm trying to cross the street. Guy on a skateboard starts coming towards me. thinks I'm going to stop. Oh, yeah, 52-year-old guy. been to Broadway with a suit jacket and I was going to stop. I just put up my hand and go, boom. I strong arm the guy. He goes off of his skateboard, right? I don't even look at him. I keep walking. He didn't even get mad at me because I didn't even yell at him. I just was like, no. You know, Dave, the statute of limitations hasn't run out on that yet. I was like, you <laughs> shall go no further on your way. You don't get to run into me because you're on a dimwit on a skateboard. Anyway, that's it. All right, let's talk about some. Uh, and I went home and ate. And I was fine. Yeah. He, yeah. he was in your way. He wasn't in my way. He was coming towards me thinking I was going to yield to him because he was on a skateboard. I don't know if you know this. Pedestrians have the right of freaking way. Anyway, all right, food. Food and drinks. Food and drinks. All right, so you want to answer some questions and then go into, like, tour and what's going on? No, let's what do you talk, want to do? Let's talk about what we've been doing. Yeah, all right, all right. Let's talk yeah, about what we've We've had some culinary yeah. moments. All right, go, go. We've had some culinary yeah. moments. Yeah. Go! So the book yeah. came out about a month ago. Yeah. Very exciting. We did an amazing event at Sunken Harbor Club here in New York where Jared is the head bartender. Yeah, yeah. You were there for for a moment. Yeah, it was double the people we expected. Yeah, it was nuts. It was it was slammed yeah. the entire time. From people were there. I got there. The event started at six. I got there at four thirty. There were already people queuing up to get in. Oh, God help! And God uh, help. yeah, <laughs> it was surprisingly popular. Uh, but then we've been touring pretty exhaustively. We spent a week in San Francisco, which was really amazing. Which I have never really gone out in San Francisco ever. So huh. this was this was my first time getting to hang really? out in the city. Yeah, I grew up in L.A., but I, you know, and I would go there as a kid, like, for a weekend or something, but I never really got to experience right. SF. Is it because you were from L.A. that you never, you're like, crap on them? What the hell? No, I just, I never, I just never put the time in to, right. to you know, when I f- would fly out over there, I would just, you know, be all family time. Right. So I would never, like, spend two days to go up there. But we had such a good time hanging out with... Uh, a friend of the book, uh, Julio Bermejo, which we, we... That was really the highlight. Yeah. yeah. So um, we, we had the opportunity to do a uh, panel discussion at Trader Vic's in Emeryville in the East Bay. And, uh, you know, in, the way we talk about it in the book is there's two kind of titans of cocktails from the Bay Area. Obviously, Trader Vic himself caused to be created many, many, many important drinks. But in a way, maybe even more influential uh, is the Tommy's Margarita which was created by Julio Bermejo at Tommy's Mexican restaurant, and which is right now, you know, being served, you know, all over the world. In Cambodia, someone's being served a Tommy's margarita right now. now give us a spec. Give de- us a spec for it's Tommy. It's the default version of a Two, margarita. 2-1-1. Right. And the agave nectar back in the day was bricks adjusted down to 50. So it's one of the first so cocktails Pontreau, that was well, what, what Instead era of Pontreau, is, it's agave syrup. What era is, uh, what era? 1980s. Well... 
when was agave syrup available? Like, it was, he, 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 was, he talked about that quite at length. Yeah, he talked about that on stage. It was really of kind of he, the beginning of agave syrup yeah. being available. Yeah. And it's not still to this day standardized. I just did about 15, 20 hours of reading on agave, and it's freaking complicated. P.S. people, don't trust anything you read, even in scientific literature, about how sweet something is because they never tell you the right units. Are they talking about sweetness by volume? Are they talking about sweetness by weight? Are they talking about sweetness at temperature? Oh, that's a light years of difference. Yeah, absolutely. Huge. Luckily, I mean, the cool thing hearing Julio on stage at Trader Vic's was him talking about like him procuring the agave nectar, but even more so, he did like the soliloquy on limes, like talking about how, you know, he used to go at like one in the morning to his produce purveyor and pick a case of limes out of four cases based on like the right, you know, sort of like your pistachio. Yeah. Point. yeah. <laughs> and, and just, and what to look for, how to cut them, freshness of juice. I mean, it was, and you know, to this, to the audience that was there, you know, half of them at the, probably the beginning of the talk were like, you know, I can juice once a week. Right. And no, you know, he's no. like converting the damned. You know, well, <laughs> and doing a good job at it. As a uh, as a New Yorker, when it comes to limes, my rule is: you get what you get, and you don't get upset. <laughs> yeah, just order twice as many. Oh, That's it's true. the limes yeah. have less juice right now. Guess what I'm going to do? Order twice as many. Yeah, because we have no choice here. No choice, no problem. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was that was a pretty incredible event. I I feel like we we got to do some like nice old school. San Francisco things. We got to do House of Prime Rib, which was great. Um, you know what's nice? The newer bars in San Francisco, how much room do they have behind those bars? Because they're all like built accessibly, so you're not bumping butts when you're working behind one of those newer California bars. They're great. And also, every bar in San Francisco we saw was really friendly towards flash blending. Like, most bars had a little Hamilton Beach in the corner. And even the older ones would have one, you know, from like the early 50s. Now, well, don't get too much into it because we have yeah. people asking questions about that. <laughs> but Garrett, I think Garrett's missing out an important part of his resume. Because we were hanging out with Julio all week, we got the opportunity to do a little event at Tommy's. And yeah. Garrett got behind the bar and made El Diablos, which I think makes him a very small uh, elite of people who've made their own it drink really at Tommy's rather than Tommy's Margarita. All right. So for those of you that don't know, if you go to Sunken Harbor Club... Right, many of you won't know. If you come to New York, you should go to Sunken Harbor Club. But uh, you order, you're, you're like, you know, you're from wherever. I don't know where you're from, Keokuk, Iowa. I don't know where you're from. You come in, and you're like, uh, Diablo. And then they go off, and then when they make the drink, they go Diablo, and then the entire bar goes Diablo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, so here that a call and response. We didn't garnish do that part of Thomas. Gar- no, yeah. I didn't do it. At you didn't Thomas. do it. Why not? Uh, I didn't feel like people would have been in on the ju- like. You don't need to it, be in. It would have been, yeah. It would have. I, I yeah. You don't need was, to be in on it. Who it, cares? It was also, about we were, being we were, there. Garrett was only making El Diablo, so oh, yeah. it would have been. been yeah, it would have been. It would have been yeah. a lot. So like at the end, the stars are like Diablo. Yeah. <laughs> Diablo. Then it just becomes work. All right, so you got to. You can't just say words. You got to tell them the spec. What is a Diablo? Oh yeah. Okay. So Come it's on. an old. Remember, it's, this is a radio yeah, the show. El, the El Diablo is an old Trader Vic drink. In in tropical standard, we actually uh, show its roots are much deeper. It has some connection to the original Tequila Sunrise, not the Orange Eagles version, but an older version that was uh, served at a racetrack in the 30s. But um, with the Eagles gave a spec, 
Well, the Eagles have that orange grenadine nonsense that they talk about. They don't about. give a spec. No, they don't give a spec, song. but they like that version. Well, who sang, which one of the Eagles singers sang that stuff? Which one of the, is that a Fry situation? I don't know. That's a good question. Okay, yeah, go ahead, but, go ahead. Any, but anyways, uh, El Diablo, it's, an, it's, it's a cool drink in that it's a classic tequila drink that's not a margarita that's also like really highlights the agave really well. So it's usually Blanco tequila, uh, lime, ginger beer, Flota Cassis. The way we do it in the book is page eighty one. If everyone yeah. wants to refer to their copy yeah. of Tropical we, Standard, the way we do it in the book is instead of ginger beer, we do a combination of ginger syrup, raspberry syrup, and uh, we still keep the cassis. And then we do lemon instead of lime because I feel like the lemon works better with the cassis. And then we use a little bit of cardamom because the cardamom kind of gives it that brewed ginger beer kind of flavor. Green, to it. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, toasted green in a tincture. Which I feel like is like an, a, a thing, we, we talk about it at Tropical Standard a lot, I use it more and more now at Sung and Harbor, is like isolating flavors with no sweetness and just doing tinctures of them. Yeah, you know, it's a little bit different though. In other words, yeah, it's a good way to be like precise, but you do get different flavors when things are infused yeah. in a syrup versus Al- not. Alcohol extracts different flavors. So like, it, Well, alcohol, water with sugar as opposed to just water, yeah. and glycerin all extract different different flavors glycerin is also a good extractive but different yeah, works good on wild cherry bark glycerin yeah um so wait what were you just talking about diablo we were Cassis talking about the el diablo yeah. i got to make it at tommy's which oh. was awesome and we, i got i shook in the blender pitcher which was really cool like they actually brought you, me you went boom ching, ching. yeah they brought me on a normal shaker and i was like no i'm here at tommy's i'm gonna do the actual real tommy's shake so if people don't know at Tommy's, they don't use normal cocktail shakers. They shake in a large blender pitcher, and their thinking is is that no one ever orders one Tommy's margarita, so they basically use it as a giant shaker. What brand of shaker pitcher were they using? It's a good, that was probably like an Oster. I, I, it wasn't like a fancy like or you maybe know, Vitamix wearing, or wearing blend, is blend it was probably wearing. Yeah, because it's yeah. glass. Yeah, and the yeah. wearing the, the issue with the uh, blender pitchers is some of them they they don't seal so good. No, you got it. You got to hold it, and like you uh-huh. got to be very careful. But then you know, you you also use it as the strainer. It was it was a blast. Those stunt those stunt shakers that like you know Plymouth used to give out the giant ones. Yeah, they, the giant Simon they Ford party shakers. like a mother. Yeah, he still makes them for Fords. Yeah, I, we had the Fords one at existing. Yeah, you know what they they need. And I think I was the only person ceiling. that would pick them up. They need some form of ceiling situation. <laughs> you have to be very careful with yeah. a giant shaker. I have a tin set at home yeah. that won't seal either. I should just throw it away. It's so irritating to have crap flying back, you know, especially because I do a lot of colored drinks. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay, so you brought it up, ginger. Let's go into some ginger. So I've talked a lot about this thing you've been doing with magnesium carbonate. I've yes. been doing a lot of experimenting with uh, ginger, like a lot, like a lot. So uh, very quickly. So ginger the, the ginger has two main components in it when it's fresh. It's uh, gingerberine and gingerol, six gingerol, right? Now, the one that's just kind of ginger flavor is the gingerberine, but it's not the pungency. The, and this, I'm re- telling you this because this is something that you and I are concerned with. The gingerol is the super spicy crap that's up front. The problem is that's where the oils are. are well, the, uh, most of the right? oil, the ginger oil. Well, most of the oil is that gingerberine stuff, right? Which isn't what makes it hyper spicy, but gives it that kind of ginger candy flavor. Yeah, it's the gingerol that's super spicy. However, it changes over time relatively quickly into two different things uh zingerone which is not that pungent right and shogal or shogal i don't know how you pronounce it 
which is freaking really spicy. So what you got to do is, and I've been researching this, I've been doing a bunch of testing of pressure cooking ginger. So you juice the ginger and then you pressure cook it right away to try to maintain super spiciness. Also, you know how people a lot of times will put acid directly into their ginger juice to stabilize it? I think yeah, that, also I do. that stabilizes yeah. the spiciness as well, but not very well. So in a couple of weeks, I should have very, I should know all about the stability of ginger juice. I'll get back to you. Yeah. For, for people listening, basically at existing conditions, the white whale was clear ginger juice, which we didn't know how to do. We, because the normal methods we were using, like pectinex and kisasol and chitosan, did not work on because there was no pectin in the ginger juice to latch onto. Right. It just wouldn't spin I mean, well. There is, but, but it's it not would a lot. knock out the starch. It wouldn't yeah, knock, it would the, knock starch the starch out. out. And um, something I've been messing around with a lot at Sunken Harbor is doing um, some of the methods from Darcy O'Neill's YouTube channel and his book, Fix the Pumps. And I've been making a lot of soda fountain stuff, mostly for non-alcs, but now it's been bleeding into our normal alcoholic drinks. And um, one day, actually, this was for the launch of Tropical Standard. I was like, you know what? I want to do the bourbon special from Tropical Standard, and I want the ginger to be clear. And I just tried like seven methods on a bunch of ginger juice, and one of them was the magnesium carbonate and then the one that was the most clear was magnesium and I think I only had chitosan in my fridge and that was the one that break broke and that was the one that I sent you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then from there Dave has been really just, you know, going forward with hammering it, so. this thing down. I got, yeah. what I want is stable because the problem is is that it loses its pungency like in a day or a day and a half. Uh, yeah. and and I looked at all the curves on the internet. It's it's uh, but guess th- get this. So I used to use almost exclusively Champion juicers, right? For things like ginger, I was always a Champion guy. I used Champion for apples. Oh, Champion- I've moved away from that well, too. So the slow the slow ones are way better. I just got uh, the Kuvings Revo eight thirty. Holy yeah. crap! So. I stayed away from things like the Green Star, which is the gear juicer that like a lot of people used to get. In, uh, but these new, what they call cold press, which are basically vertical auger machines. So get this. So which, what, which one do you use? I think it's the green. Yeah, because uh, oh, oh my God. My, my prep, my prep, one of my prep, original prep uh, persons, uh, she, she's now like on the floor and, uh, and with the bar team, uh, Asia, she brought us one. And then I just started using that. All right, the so. yield on the green stars, yeah. Sam Mason used to tell me it weren't those gear based ones. But like, so this, this Revo 830, and I think it's kind of pricey, but get this 806 grams of ginger did this yesterday, right? And all you do is break them into chunks, like, you know, a couple, and throw them into the hopper. Uh, and it juices them for you. It, it grinds them and pushes them and get the juice out. I got. 648 mils of juice out of that. That's 80% yield. Yeah, it's way better than the champion. The the champion is great for some things, and then other things, it... it, Anyway, so, you know, I think I'm totally... So far, I'm totally sold on this freaking... And the pulp came out so dry. I have a four-ton press. You know, the only old press that we have? Yeah, the the waffle bourbon press. Yeah, Yeah. so I built one at home, a small one, and I I don't think I'm going to be able to get any more juice out of the the, the press than I would out of this. Just pretty pretty damn efficient. good. Yeah. yeah. So I might have to change my change my. Do we team. have a ginger question from Trump? Or no, we were just no. We're someone just, was we're asking just about, about ginger. Yeah, okay. we're rapping. Someone was talking about, and I'm going to be doing a lot of work on it. I'm going to yeah. tales of the cocktail where we're doing another seminar. We just did a seminar. Yeah, at BCB. We just did acid, yeah. acid adjusting and bricks adjusting. And the fun thing was, a week before I was doing a seminar at the Hukilau in Fort Lauderdale just on acid so when we did it together it was like way easier to bounce off of three people and 
also just you know talk about multiple topics rather than just one for 40 minutes you like the succinic acid by the way yeah yeah that was good strong uh well anyway so while we're talking about juicing so we don't have to talk about it again alex goody said uh i love drinking vegetable juice it's not about health i'm just a low quality individual i'm looking for guidance on improving it uh preservation quality yield i like beets celery leafy greens and carrots maybe some ginger and lemon no apples for quality you think nitro modeling would be worthwhile no not no you don't mind you, you only nitro model things that are like thin that shatter easily like thick things like lettuce are hard because they're physically hard so i would not do that no uh can you nitro model with dry ice no uh, what, what about freezing the greens? I don't know why you would freeze it to juice it. Everyone says soak greens before you juice them to get maximum well, extraction, to get the water into the cells like in, so that they puff up with water and then you get higher extraction. Freezing the greens, or maybe more like carrots and stuff, it might concentrate the sugars because in, in the book we do talk about you know, freezing things like bananas and, or not bananas, but like strawberries and things like that and like frozen drinks. It does seem to remove some of the water content. Well, it breaks bit. the stuff more, especially yeah. if you're yeah. not going to use an effective way to do it. Yeah, and like you- the strawberry daiquiri in the book, it, it's it's better even if you get fresh strawberries to freeze those strawberries well, before fr- frozen, frozen strawberries are almost always better than freaking the strawberries you're buying in the market anyway. Oh, right. by the way, get this. Like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Boiron, puree people, yeah. I saw them at BCB. They sell that, like, that, like, Frey de Marais, the, the really good strawberry puree. I kind of want to buy that. It's going to be so expensive, though. Yeah, I mean, some of their other stuff is, is you know, we uh, when we were writing the book, you know, we had to rely a lot on the passion fruit and um, the guava just to a lesser extent. But, you know, it's way more available now. Like, it's it's they sell through Amazon now. They, you know, it, it used to be you had to, like, really, you had to, like, go through a restaurant if you were not a restaurant person and be like, can you get me some passion fruit puree? You know, now it's it's a lot more accessible. Yeah. Oh, and for Alex on the way out, uh, if you want to preserve, and what I presume you mean by preserving is uh, stop them from oxidizing. I wouldn't use citric. I'd use ascorbic, and you can add it by taste because it's going to get less, less acidity. Um, yeah. Anything yeah. else? Freezing no, is a good idea. Ascorbic's good. Freezing's a good idea on the juice. If it ferments quickly, you can yeah. use potassium sorbate, but you have to know what you're doing. Clarification's going to change the flavor and also won't work on things that don't have any acid in them. You need some acid for the pectinex to work. All right. Um. All right. For the truck. Oh, here's you want you ready for this? Ian wants to know why do you why why do y'all why do y'all mix imperial and metric units in your book? Ian, well, I mean, there's a good reason and a not so good reason. The good reason is at least we used a bit of metric. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think the idea was for the for the ingredients that you have to make yourself metric is the precision of metric was necessary yeah there's no there's no guesswork um but what do you use imperial units on we so we, we well the the cocktails we use traditional themselves. units for oh, the cocktails an ounce isn't really an ounce it's 30 mils yeah oh. but it, i mean i wanted i think it's really parts i, I think there's an intent i mean you don't in in liquid i say right up front that when i say ounces that means 30 milliliters okay yeah fair and enough. that and that you yeah. might as well just think about it as parts right yeah i, I think i think that's probably a good way to approach it. The other thing is I just, I wanted to present the recipes as they were made behind either Sunken or Exotica or even existing, which was, those were the specs. Right, like, but you I used even, a 30 mil ounce there. Yeah. Not on an yeah. old like 28.5 ounce. Yeah, no, I, I felt like for cocktails, I wanted the regular, you know, 
the regular one ounce, Listen. one teaspoon. And then for the syrups, I really wanted there to be no wiggle room or no guesswork, which is why metric works so well in those Yeah, things. but milliliters are not actually a very good cocktail unit because this, like, depending on where you are, right, if you're doing, so if you scale everything down to a 20 mil ounce, then things start working because, like, quarters and eights start being relatively even numbers, but everything has weird decimals in it. 22.5 milliliters. Right. Yeah, you know, I wanted like, accessibility too. I wanted, I, I feel like it's actually easier and more accessible to have the the syrups in grams because, and then, because you're still weighing stuff anyways, right? Yeah, once for, you weigh stuff, syrups, grams. And, and then with, with the cocktails, it, most people have a two-one jigger. They have a three-quarter half jigger. I wanted, I wanted these cocktails to be able to be made at home, which we've, seen a really good influx on Instagram of people making stuff from the book. I mean, yeah. what Ben, what what do you think so far? What have the front runners been for at home? I mean, I've seen that we've seen the Navy Grog Navy a lot. Navy Grog is big. Um Bird of Paradise has become big. Yeah, which Bird of Paradise has the cream syrup. Mm, cream good. syrup. Yes. Mm. Yes. Do you have a pump? It's so hard to j- you can't jigger that. I have some pumps at home, yeah. Yeah. Um we've seen the bird of paradise. We've seen the strawberry daiquiri has gotten a lot of traction, which has been fun. Basically the people frozen are excited about the xanthan gum. Xanthan as, gum. As oh yeah, frozen. I had a question about that yeah. uh, somewhere. Should we get should we get into the uh yeah, the I got to find trick. the question cuz we have uh I have a, a bunch of people asked asked about it, but Yeah. Well, I mean, we can give the background on it. The xanthan gum trick is it Oh, here you are, is, Matt's. Loving the book yeah. so far. The xanthan gum and frozen drinks has been a game changer. Uh, headed down the shore this summer. Any suggestion for pre-batching tiki and tropical drinks that would be uh, good for potentially days later? Well, use adjusts. Don't use lime, right? Yeah. Uh, and don't put the xanthan gum in. Yeah, a couple a couple of things. Because I just did a bunch of the frozen strawberry at Clover Club um, during BCB. Um, what you can do is, if you're going to make a bunch of them throughout the day, is melt the the sugar into the lime or whatever citrus you have do that first then add the spirit and make a batch of what would be like your mix and then and then you, all you have to do is pour that mix with your your crushed ice and if you have any fruit and xanthan gum and blend but why not just put the xanthan the proper amount into the mix and wait for it to actually hydrate i did uh, maybe I did it wrong? You can tell me, but I did a live event in 2019 where I did that, and it was I I it it clumped up unevenly. Yeah. Well, xanthan is very very touchy, right? Yeah. So with xanthan, any hydrocolloid, you want to hydrate it in as close to pure water as is humanly possible. Well, that's probably why then. Right. So yeah. what you what you want to do is put the xanthan direct. If you're going to do if you if you're going to do whether it's simple syrup, whether it's lime juice, whatever. You want to put the, the xanthan directly into that. Then add the sugar. Then So h- completely hydrate it. Then add the sugar. And then you want to drastically reduce the amount of xanthan that you're using. Because what's happening is at the lower temperature and with alcohol and with all that other stuff, you're going to get much less hydration of the xanthan than you would. So you you, in essence, you're not you're using much higher than the actual percentage of thickening that you're getting. And xanthan has very sharp like knees where all of a sudden it's like oh it's getting thicker it's holding its structure right which is what you're using it for holding a structure yeah structure and texture and then it'll go snot yeah or like you know so which is why we only use a quarter teaspoon right but i mean i wouldn't i mean 
But what I w- would do is I would just uh, figure out what the actual ideal final concentration is and then actually hydrate it beforehand. And then you could use it in batch because Ben, you were saying it's hard to do in a batch thing because it's going to snot up on you. Well, you know, it, if you just prehydrate it, figure out what the actual final concentration maybe we'll, we'll, you know we'll what we're doing it. enough events that that's gonna well, we can work on yeah. it because you yeah, know I'm, I'm doing this this other stuff and uh but for had... everyone who's listening basically the the quick the the quick thing of where this came from is i was getting a little frustrated doing these sort of old school blender recipes and not getting the right texture and not getting the texture as good as a frozen machine at you know some places like Mother's Ruin and all the places in New York that have these giant machines because those are frozen uniformly and obviously Blender it's very violent you're doing it uh, you're not freezing uniformly and um, just doing some research I was like who makes the best and most consistent frozen drinks on the planet and it's Starbucks Starbucks sells I've the most frozen one. drinks in the world probably they're, they're better than a Dunkin' Donuts frozen drink uh, well. I don't know. <laughs> but but um, in going through like weird little like Starbucks reddits of like people who work there and all that stuff, um, I found, and then you can see on their website because, you know, they have nutrition facts, that all their like frap mixes and all that stuff all had xanthan in it. So then it was a matter of, and I was at ZZ's at the time, of I was testing just different levels of it. And what I found is that adding a little bit to a frozen drink it prevents the ice from separating and it gives you that same texture that you get from a slushing machine even though you're not freezing uniformly so. right you need to add enough for the crystals not to want to float yeah. yeah and you also don't want to add too much because yes it can get gross so yeah i'm sure that i'm sure that the quarter teaspoon bothers you because it would be better if there was a, a weight measurement well but. not only that but like <laughs> like like not all xanthans are the same density like by far but yeah. like but if your plan is i'm just going to over xanthan it and it's not going to hydrate anyway but like, if we're going to do a batch we should figure out what the actual that's a good point we should yeah. figure out what the actual but i will say it's it's fairly bulletproof because i did this nine i did it nine times at rain's law room i've done it several times at live events and that's i mean that's the nice thing about a lot of these specs is you know sometimes you put a spec out into the world and you're like oh i didn't test it enough and like i forgot about this this and that there's a lot of stuff in Tropical Standard that has worked in multiple bars. It's worked in existing. It's worked at, at Rains. It's worked at, at Sunken. So it's had like a lot of layers of other people testing those specs out. You know, another thing you could do, you can make a 1% xanthan solution, which is fundamentally hair gel, and then just go and just put like oh, a yeah. little bit of... For like a knock I'm gonna a try that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like the idea of hair gel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can c- color it, color it red, color it green. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so on yeah. a similar subject, uh, Michael picked up a used Elmeco uh, uh, frozen drink machine. I've used Elmeco; they're good uh, from eBay last week. Any recommendations on cocktail recipes for a slushing machine? How would you amend the slush recipes designed for a blender in Liquid Intelligence or Tropical Standard for a slushing machine? I've done a lot of work recently on this. What do you, what's your what's your go to numbers like uh, alcohol bricks? You like a Fifteen. Fifteen what? Fifteen bricks is the... the That's it, high, though, for me. Well, it depends on your machine, because Frosty Factory, the range that they recommend is between, like, 12 and, like, even higher, like, 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean, so I'm, like, right in the middle. So for me, I, did, I ran a bunch of tests on a machine where I could... So, by the way, just FYI, machines like Elmeco don't actually control the temperature. They control the texture, Right, like less expensive machines 
like consumer machines have a like a thermometer in it and it's measuring the temperature so you're shooting for a temperature right yeah so it's totally different so my just my quick specs were testing right that if you do a six if you do a six percent alcohol drink at 12 bricks it is a firm stiff drink at minus six degrees 6.5 degrees celsius and it'll hold between 15 and 18 minutes before it totally breaks without xanthan all right yeah no i wouldn't put xanthan in a frozen machine but i don't maybe you should because then uh you firm and stiff at 9.4 percent alcohol by volume and nine bricks, which is what I shoot for, is about 11 to 15 minutes and has a higher alcohol and lower sugar, which I like. And you, get a, you want a really soft slush, minus uh, 12%, 12.5% ABV and 12 bricks, goes all the way to minus 13 Celsius, so real cold, like brain freeze, only lasts 11 minutes and gets real watery. Uh, but a sweet spot if you need a high alcohol, 14 ABV and 8.5 bricks holds, but it's thinner. So I, I would shoot, for me, like right now, what I'm going for is that like, between nine and ten alcohol and between nine and ten bricks and it's holding pretty well yeah i think it depends on the drink too because like i did um i did in the book there's we have a frozen version of the derby daiquiri which is essentially a frozen orange daiquiri and um i did it at 13 at an event and then i did it 15 at the launch and i felt like just the texture was better of what of of the Derby Daiquiri, like at the launch, it was 15 bricks. And then I, at an event before I was sort of testing it and it was 13, but you know, it's funny. In a doing, blender? No, no, no. In a frozen in machine. In a frozen machine. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But it's funny. I mean, doing all these events, like Ben was like the frozen drink wrangler. Like we had a fine machines in all these cities. It's really hard to get which those is machines. Really hard. I'll get you hooked in with the Elmeco people, but okay. they're good. But the issue is, is that you can't just adjust bricks. It's bricks and alcohol together need to be adjusted. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, like, you know, what, what what ABV are you going at? Well, uh, okay, the way the way I've been doing this has been doing a single drink, measuring the non-alk ingredients in the refractometer with the, you know, lime, the lime, the sugar, water, what have you, and then estimating with the inclusion of alcohol how that would hit 15 or 13. But making a single one and then freezing that single one in a freezer just to see if, like how it freezer is way too cold though. Well, what you do is you freeze it for a you know like couple hours. You break it up with a fork, which is sort of like the churning of the machine. Put it back in, and we actually we have a method in uh, Tropical Standard the uh, the frosty. Because all my all my freezer drinks are much higher alcohol because you can go much colder. It's much colder. You know what I mean? Mm. Right? You know what we used to do. Yeah. At, but um, here's how I do it. I take, I, I always go huge. I don't ever think about an individual drink. I go huge. I'm like, I want to make, like a liter. Let's say, I want to make a liter. So I got a thousand units. What do I want the ABV to be? And then I add however many units of whatever liquor till the ABV is what it is. And it's almost always doesn't have enough sugar in it. Now, like how many sugar units do I have left to make a thousand milliliters, the sugar level I want? I add those sugars. Then I'm like, how much acid do I want that's not already there? I add that amount of acid. And then if I am lucky, which I almost always am, there is room for water. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that that doing the individual thing is kind of interesting for like home bartenders. It's sort of like what we did at existing. It's 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 you know freezing a very small amount 
um, which we have the frosty buck in the trop- in tropical standard, and then breaking it up and then freezing freezing it again, and then you can kind of just do a small pulse blend on it or something, yeah. and that gives you that gives you sort of an estimation of what it is, and then you can just scale up from there. The real the, the kind of pitfall I ran into when I was first writing Liquid Intelligence is, is I was doing everything either in blenders or freezers without a machine, and I wasn't thinking about melt time as much. You know what I mean? And so it's like I think a lot of people. We were lucky when we were R and Ding. Yeah, I'm sure you remember this, Ben. That when we were R and Ding, a lot of the frozens it was super hot out. Like, and you know, it was in my kitchen that wasn't air conditioned. So I felt like it it forced us to think about like I, I feel like if we had done the strawberry in the winter, we wouldn't have been as critical of it. But because we were in super super hot weather. We were we we had more of a I mean you you remember that that session right Ben of course it's like summer twenty one yeah um so Dave you're you're looking for you're, are you looking for things that hold the texture longer is that is that the concept I mean, people want it yeah so like the drinks that I enjoy drinking the most are relatively frozen style are relatively higher alcohol than is practicable because th- like they turn liquid very quickly so like you know i would be making drinks that were similar to our bdx margarita which is just barely a slush when it comes out yeah it was on and it was on shaved ice yes basically liquid but i shoot for those kind of numbers which were higher originally but the problem with them is and even like my old my old blender my old frozen daiquiris which you know you do in ziplocs or like you know i would take something like you know uh dolan blanc and add vodka to it you know, to jack the alcohol level to get the alcohol and it forms a slush, but if you don't drink it pretty quickly, it waters out. So, you know, um, I've been doing a lot more work now on dropping the ABV, you know, increasing the sugar slightly, but trying to hit that sweet spot of how long is it, you know, how can I make it not so sweet, but also make it not melt so quickly. And then what temperature, what temperature is it really best served at? You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we experimented with the banana daiquiri, um, because you know the tough part about that drink is like you don't necessarily want the bananas to be frozen you know you can freeze them and then unfreeze them to get like some better sugars and stuff but um with that one we actually froze the spirit before doing yeah. it which which dropped the temperature a lot more right but it's nice. it's helpful depending on what you're going to add yeah you know what i mean yeah um all right uh Timberino, uh asks uh about drink mixers and spindle blenders, Hamilton Beach has a couple sub one hundred dollars. Are they good enough for occasional home use? Oh, absolutely, sure. Yeah, we we also just did a shift at the Berkshire Room in Chicago where those were the only ones I used, and it was fine. Yeah, yeah. And in a similar uh, thing, Paul Gersman writes in: What would your preferred alternative method for flash blending a drink geared towards home enthusiasts without counter space for a drink mixer? I've seen a couple of folks recommend an immersion blender, but it seems likely to overmix the drink. Uh, no, use the immersion, but just be be wary that there is a blade on the end of it, and to like basically like three pulses, and you're good. Hey, you want me to make you an attachment for a stick blender? That's a that's a <laughs> yes, because it's totally doable. <laughs> yeah, yes, like a very minor yeah. cage, like a very minor cage. How fast do those guys go? The spindle blenders. Uh, I'll. I'll show. I mean, the the old Hamiltons were pretty strong. Well, I mean, like, know. but are, are yeah. they the same speed as a blender? or Does it need to be geared? No, it's basically the same. Speed. So you just need a disc attachment yeah. for uh, a stick blender. Yeah, that's no problem. What you do is you buy a Bamex. Bamex might already make. It. Actually, have you ever tried the cream discs on a Bamex? 
No, I don't know what a cream disc is. Oh, so Bemix, who I don't actually like their uh, uh, their stick blenders because they're, they got a little bit of flex, even though they look kind of robo and they don't pop off, they screw off, right? But they sell, uh, one of their things is like, it looks like a disc on the end. They have interchangeable heads, right? Mm-hmm. I've never tried it, but I would like to hear what you have to say. And in fact, I might have one somewhere. Anyway, so you, and it comes with it, package, right? And you put the disc on and you're meant to whip cream with it. Oh, okay. So yeah, I wonder whether sure. it would perform the same thing and it doesn't have a blade, so you might be able to take that thing on a check, uh, on a carry-on. Because there's no yeah, blade. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I brought an immersion blender no, to... No. Yeah, they let you? To who get, well, I, I checked it. Oh, yeah. But, but uh, I needed to flash blend 100 drinks. So instead of bringing the big blender down, I just brought the, you know, and I just pulsed it. I mean, if you do it, if you kind of cut your time to like three seconds and, it, you know, if you don't have crushed ice, it actually works even better because if you have like crappy deli ice, you can actually break the the ice up a little bit. Try the Bamix because in my yeah. mind also it has a, it doesn't have a full cage. So like it does not a bell. It's more of the cage. So yeah. you can actually get more like a spindle blender kind of uh, action on it. Yeah, just check it yeah. out. Let me know. Yeah. And we'll let these, let these folks know. Um, all right. So that was Paul Gersman on blending. And we have one other blending thing. Someone wants, I've been playing with vacuum blending. So uh, Andrew Cummings wants to know, uh, I recently looked at Void Blender System, Void Systems Blender. What do you think of the blender compared to Vitamix for non-vacuum use? Well, just quickly, their, their blender, the problem with the Void Blender is it's loud as all get out. The actual blender is so loud. And also the slow speed on the Void is... Uh, like 17,000 RPM. Super aggro, yeah. Yeah, it goes between 17,000 and 30, whereas like a Vitamix goes between 1,700 and 30. You know what I mean? Yeah, which sometimes you need this slow setting. If you're going to do frozen drinks, sometimes like in the book we talk about dry blending, like you need to like melt the sugar into the juice and like if it's going to 70,000, that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's But the pitcher is very good. I had actually initial really good luck with, uh, with vacuum. Have you played with vacuum blending at all? No. Yeah. So I had, some, I had some initial good luck because, you know, I'm trying to figure out ways that people don't need to get LN to get good results. And like all my side-by-sides between liquid nitrogen and blending, liquid nitrogen always wins by a little bit. So my initial tests with the vacuum blender were with mint and I was able to va- vacuum blend mint drinks and have them be good, which is, you know, crazy. I did, no, like, a sal- I did like, a, like a nitro south side and it was like really good. Uh, well, not nitro, you know, blender model. But then I had people over and I did... Thai basils, which is a little more sturdy of an herb with regular, not vacuum and vacuum, same blender pitcher, just with and without a vacuum. And I thought I could tell the difference, but I served it to a bunch of people and they couldn't tell the difference. Nice. So I need to, I need to like figure out, I need to run some more tests. I still haven't made you the Thai basil drink in the book. No, well, no, you know, next no, time, next time I come over, that. next time yeah. I come over. Uh, <laughs> all right. So that, I think we uh, covered in some other blending. Billy Thunder wants to know. Uh, how do you harvest the citrus peel for oleos? In the book, you say use a knife and not a peeler. And quoting you, cut the citrus peels with a knife to retain the oils and the peels. Uh, while faster, a peeler expresses oils from the peel when cutting to the fruit. And we want the oils to stay where they are, so knife is preferred. Why not just use more peel then? Have you actually measured? The t- have you done the taste difference? Uh, n- no, the, I have. Yeah, there's the taste difference. It's not so much. It's just more extraction. So yeah, you're right. You could you could use more of peeled. Yeah, but it's yeah. also if you're just well Billy wants to know do you just uh, do you just juice the fruit and cut the flesh out and leave a, on a lot of pit uh, pith no you always take no. the peel first anyway peel first or do yeah. you iron chef style just uh, the, the citrus with a knife and retain a little bit in other words do you flip it over and take the white off 
No, we always peel first and then juice. Yeah, juice I, after. I, just, I would just add a couple extra freaking peels, man. Use the right, peeler so fast. Yeah, peeler so fast. Well, if you have a really good, uh, the reason we wrote that is because most people don't have like really good thick right. peelers. They have like the you know, I'm not going to name a brand, but you right. know which ones. Where and and then all the oil just spills out of those, and you get like very little extraction. So you just wasted your time. Yeah. You know? Garrett's like, if you have a really good prep person, then a knife's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> hey, most most oleos for years, I was doing all of that for every single event. Oh, that no was one, me. No one's calling you lazy. Yeah. <laughs> all right, JPM, can you share a bit about forced carbonation stations and existing conditions? I know it's been talked about in the show briefly, but haven't found any information on what's involved. And for Garrett, we'll talk about that later, JPM, because we don't have a lot of time unless Garrett wants to talk about it. Also, for Garrett, I know you mentioned forced carbonation in a bar when talking about the Kingston Zing, but opt for adding carbonation in the form of soda water to make it more accessible. Yeah. Is this how you would serve it? Uh, or the Pims Tropis, uh, Pins Tropical at the Sunken Harbor, too? That's good. Your Pims, it's strong. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> I sent an, uh, I sent an English yeah. I sent an English lady that uh, Ben and I met at Norton's 100 year anniversary. Oh, to have it, yeah. and she was like, I, I don't like Pims. I was like, you're wrong. Why don't you go to Sunken Harbor? Yeah. You're not wrong. You can't say you don't like it until you've had the one yeah. from Sunken Harbor. It's not Harbor. on the menu. Anymore. Ben, is that right or wrong? Yeah. You can't say you don't like the drink if you've only had the iterations. She, she was closed minded to the idea. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's a mistake. I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. Well, Ben has been really good at some of these events of like, you know, people are like, I don't like passion fruit. And he's like, yeah, but Garrett knows how to use it properly. Yeah. And then like wins those people but over. JPM wants always to know. Always be closing. Jim, yeah. Always. Oh, ABC, always be closing. And you got to yeah. get, get the Alex Baldwin, mm-hmm. like brass mm-hmm. balls behind you. bring anyway. that with me to the yeah. bars. Yeah. Yeah. To answer the question. Coffee is for closers. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cocktails in the, are In the closers. book, yeah, we talk about sort of a way around not setting up a carbo rig. Um, at Sunken, I have a carbo rib, rig, so the Kingston Zing and those types of drinks are are fully forced carbonated at Sunken. But in the book, there's a method of getting around that if you don't want to build that whole thing. So, right, Henry uh, Batts wants to know uh, what your favorite non rum tiki drinks are. I mean, there's a whole book full of them. The, the Saturn is one of the few that come to mind. Yeah, but Henry wants part of, to know. part yeah. of the idea of this book is you know to show the tropical drinks are a big tent. It's not just about you know rum. I actually really ice. love. Um, I like scotch a lot in tropical drinks. Uh, there's there's an old Trader Vic drink in the in the book called the London Sour um, that I think is very refreshing. Like almond and almond and certain scotches is great together. Nutty nutty scotch. Nut, scot, scotch. Yeah. We yeah. I used to do a distillation of blended scotch and peanuts. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Doers and nuts. Yeah. Uh, Nils, Nils Norn and I used to do that because he, he actually is a famous grouse man. I think maybe famous grouse is more popular as an inexpensive blended scotch. Yeah, it? I feel like I don't see it as often anymore. I like, I like so. the grouse. Yeah. yeah, it's famous, the grouse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John the Hutt. Uh, so uh, he had an issue. See if you've ever had this happen. He had this uh, anise drink, Anise del Mono, which I've never tried. Oh, from Spain? Yeah, the red label, not the green. Had it in his freezer at minus 20 Celsius. Since I don't have ice, I mixed it with water from the tap, which is about 20, again, Celsius. Instead of luching, it separated into bizarre crystals and formed a layer at the top of the glass. I do not recommend eating those crystals. What happened? I've never heard of this happening. You ever heard of this happening? No, I I mean, there's not enough ABV for it to survive the freezer, so... What? No, but the anise, I've never only had a luching. Like, why would it form crystals? There's got to be something weird in there. John the Hut, there's got to be something like... Sugar? uh, I mean... I don't know. No, but if sugar wouldn't crystallize, I like that. I don't know what the hell's happening. I got to be honest. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Uh, Alexander Talgard writes in. Oh, that's not how he pronounces his name. Wait, wait, wait. I got one more. I got one more question. All right, what do you got? What do you got? Uh, Rojo asks, um, uh, regarding salt 
in drinks. I'm interested in reducing the number of bottle touches during service. If I have a syrup or other ingredient used in one specific cocktail, is there any reason I shouldn't just dope it with the appropriate level of salt? That's what I do at events. Uh, okay, so do if you had to do it, do it after the syrup is 100% complete because if you do it before that, it's going to screw up the bricks, right? Well, so and for low percentages, like for low percentages, salt adds about one bricks level per percent salt. Okay, it so happens to be much, about the same, right? So yeah. you're not going to affect it drastically. Same with acids. Acids don't affect it as much as I thought. I did a bunch of, I've been having to reread a bunch of this crap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would add to the problem with adding it to syrup in general is then if you have a low syrup drink that uses a lot of a modifier, right, then your ratios aren't going to be the same. I think at a bar, like if you're going to be doing a bunch of drinks with salt, then a couple of droppers looks good. But if you really need to minimize touches, yeah, syrup. Also, just like, what if you want to reduce the sweetener for an individual guest? Then it's gonna, it's you're 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 combining two things that aren't, don't necessarily like right. relate to each other. Right. Uh, okay. So, uh, do you you want to talk about uh, Orja, or you want me to save Orja? You, What's you, the Orja question? Well, he wants to make uh, Alexander wants to make an Orja from plum kernels and wants to talk a lot about cyanide <laughs> and whether it's Let's safe. save that question. All right, uh, we're yeah. not taking legal questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, so in the one minute and twenty four seconds that is left to us, what yeah. do you want to talk about about what you've been doing and what you well, haven't been doing? Next that we didn't thing get up, to? we'll all be at Tales. Yeah, you guys yeah. are doing a, a talk. We've got book signings a couple times. We're doing an event on Thursday afternoon at Palm and Pine, where you can come and have some of Garrett's drinks if you're going to be at Tales of the Cocktail this July. Oh, wait, but they're coming, but they most people won't hear it until after because it goes live for people who aren't Patreon. But if you're in the Patreon, you're not go going live this week. It goes live front. Well, you said it's this Thursday or next no, no, Thursday? No, no, during no, Tales oh, of the Cocktail. Tales. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. yeah, our talk at Tales of the Cocktail is about uh, the daiquiri. Daiquiri deep dive. Yeah. And then, yeah, Ben and I, we're going to do a book I've been, signing I've been and cheating. a bar takeover. I've been cheating, I've been doing the testing. Mm-hmm. Good, you should. Yeah, Delicious. I, I like. Be, oh, be prepared. Yeah. I, well, so what we're testing is <laughs> sugar versus simple syrup versus rich simple. Or I don't even know how many that we're doing. That's the one of the main tests. And can I tell you a spoiler? Because I've been doing a lot of work. Yeah. Okay. So most people, it was very marginal. Most people preferred the rich. Interesting. They didn't tell that much of the difference between rich and sugar. And when you look at the numbers, uh, eighty-eight. So, like, if you add if you add one milliliter of one milliliter of rich simple two to one, is uh, eight eighty eight is point eight eight grams of sugar. All right, that's so a preview for the for the seminar, so, folks. And, and only point four of water. So now so, I don't have to come to the seminar. That's you're it. You're done. Okay, now, good. Uh, but I actually preferred the one to one because I like my drinks a little less, like I like a little more diluted. But there's a little bit of a of, of a weird Megillah because, like, when you shift uh, dilutions, you also want to shift sugar. So Shannon, who's one of our talkers, has very low sugar on her sugar things. Yeah. And because there's less dilution, it can probably tolerate less sugar and higher acid. So it's kind of an interesting little interplay. A lot for us to talk about at Tales of the Cocktail. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. All right. Well, thanks for yeah, coming on. Thank Tropical you. Standard. Yeah. Go buy the book. <laughs> buy it at Kitchen Arts and Letters or buy it at, you know, McNally Jackson. Buy it. But, you know, if you have to buy it off of Amazon, buy it off of Amazon, whatever. Whatever. Man. Just buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Just buy the book. Have uh, fun with and it. go to Sunken Harbor. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. All right. Thanks, Dave. Cooking Issues. 